Welcome to the Wellness Hustle Podcast. I'm Kirsty Taylor, your host, a writer, a storyteller, and a wanderer of life. I struggled so much in the past, and it wasn't until I started to focus on myself that I saw true change and really started living my life. This podcast is aimed to help you realize that this whole work hard, play hard mantra bullshit has not been cutting it. We need to focus on what truly matters. Think of this podcast as a tool for finally hustling for yourself. So let's shift our focus from the external to the internal because in the end, you deserve it. Another week, another episode. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Wellness Hustle Podcast. We are talking all things period. Yeah. I was trying to think of a more discreet way to say that, but F that. Half the world's population gets their period. So we're talking about it. I'm saying the word. Period, period, period. What up? This week, I'm talking with Lara Bryden. She is an amazing naturopathic doctor. She's also a best-selling author of the book, The Period Repair Manual. And we talk all things women's health, period, birth control, uh, myths surrounding, PMS, all that good stuff. It's really insightful. If you are a menstruating human being or you are a non-menstruating human being that wants to learn about what half of the world's population goes through then this is the podcast for you. You'll learn a lot. And it's just very insightful. It's just very insightful. And Lara is a very amazing, sweet woman, and she was great to talk to. And I am so excited to share this with you guys. And yeah, we're just going to dive right into it. I hope you guys enjoy. Well, thank you for joining. I'm here with Lara Bryden. She's a naturopathic doctor who's worked in women's health for over 20 years and also the author of Period Repair Manual. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I feel like this is, I mean, most of my listeners, most of the people that follow me are women. So this is extremely important and I guess important to half of the world's population. So thank you so much for being here. Before we get started, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the work that you do? Yeah, I started as a naturopathic doctor more than 20 years ago and Mm -hmm. just started treating women and women's period problems with diet and supplements and herbal medicine and found it worked so much better than I'd even been trained to think it would work. So I just kind of went from there. And then about four years ago, I put all of what I'd learned over the previous two decades into my book, Period Repair Manual. Right. And it's on its second edition. So you added some more information, clarified some things. Very exciting. It was was so popular. I thought, I think I just need to make it a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I guess like once you put it out there, you kind of realize what people want to hear and what people are looking for. Totally. So how did you get into being a naturopathic doctor? I know that, I mean, 20 years ago, that must have been pretty new relative to how it is now. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, naturopathic medicine has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. For me, it just seemed like a natural progression. I was a biologist. I was uh, working as a scientist, actually, and a biologist. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, I really want to work more with people. I want to take some of these same principles of, you know, how the world works, how biology works, and put that into practice with people. So, yeah, then I I just, it was kind of one of those things you do in your 20s. I thought, I'm just going to do this. And I applied to the college the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto and drove down there and 
did four more years of study. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. And so your your work with women's health, it just kind of naturally got into period health? Or how is it that you started to focus really on that? Yeah, it was the patients who were coming to me who mm-hmm. needed help with periods. And also they were responding so well. I think that was the main thing. It just was this area where I thought I can really make a difference. And also, as you know, you know, there, there weren't a lot, well, there still aren't, but even especially back then in the 90s, there weren't a lot of other options for period health. Women were really just put on the pill, the pill mm-hmm. or surgery, which is kind of how it is now too, unfortunately. But um mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, women deserve so much better. Right. So, I mean, you said it, the pill. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty big topic. Yeah. I mean, I feel I when I was, I guess I was in high school when I was put on the pill, and that was for irregular heavy periods. And then I came off of it when I was in college, and that was maybe like five or six years ago. So what do you find is the main issue that people are having when they want, like when they come to you, are they already on the pill? Are they coming off of it? It's a mix of all of those things. I think more and more, we're in a bit of a revolution right now where more and more women are coming off the pill now, even before they come to see me, I guess, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it might've just been the case that they'd never thought about it. You know, they just, you know, I'd ask women about their periods and they'd say, Oh, they're fine. And I'd have to dig a little bit more and they'd say, oh, well, they're fine because I'm on the pill. And then I'd have to say my big one of my big messages is, of course, you know, pill bleeds are not periods. So actually, mm-hmm. you have no idea what your periods are like. So right. that conversation you still happens. Yeah. Right. Could you explain that a little bit? Like I, in your book, you talk about periods when you're on your when you're on the pill or pill bleeds are not actual periods. Could you explain that a little more? Yeah. So they're yeah. they're drug withdrawal bleeds. So. Basically, the state of being on the pill is really mostly like being in a temporary chemically induced menopause. So mm-hmm. those drugs, they're not they're not real hormones. They're hormone like drugs. They shut down ovarian function. They mm-hmm. shrink the ovaries. They actually shrink those drugs, shrink the clitoris, which is sometimes I remember to mention because it seems like that seems like kind of a deal break, deal breaker to me that it right. shrink, <laughs> they shrink the clitoris by 50 percent. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they the drugs shut down hormonal cycling and instead they they give a kind of hormone replacement with these drugs, which is not as good as our own hormones. And then randomly, you know, periodically, you, you, the, the, with the dosing of the drug, you will have a drug withdrawal bleed. So they mm-hmm. typically have been doing that every 28 days, but there was never any reason to bleed monthly on the pill. And in fact, mm-hmm. some the new recommendations, I don't know if it's come to the States yet, but certainly in the UK and Australia, the new recommendations are that women can just not bother with the pill bleeds and take the pill every day because it's the same. And right. To wow. me, that really drives home the message even more so. Yeah, pill bleeds are not periods. They were never periods. To take the pill to regulate the period is just nonsensical. Is a right. Yeah. Do you have any theories about why it is that we're so quickly given the pill, whether it be like irregular periods or acne or birth control? Like, why is it that that's such a go-to yeah. solution for things? I think it's a combination of just habit. You know, mm-hmm. it's been there for quite a few decades now and doctors are like, oh, it's easy. It, and also doctors are 
convinced that the pill is safe and they're wrong about that, but Mm -hmm. they have this, from their perspective, it's like, okay, this will just erase all of any pesky period symptoms, which it does because it shuts down periods. And, you know, we'll just do it. And I think just generation after generation as that's happening, they just, it gets really entrenched. And also at the same time, I think in, you know, from the doctor's perspective, they don't really feel like they have a lot of other options for someone who Mm -hmm. comes to them with period pain and skin. But that is where something like my book and other books that are out there now come in is to actually provide a whole variety of different options for all Mm -hmm. of those things, for period pain, for regular periods, for skin. And one of the things that surprised me about my book, Period Repair Manual, is how many doctors have read it. And actually reached out to me and said, yeah, that's great, because that now actually gives us a few other tools, a few other options. Because the good doctors that are out there, if you speak to them, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't like to have to prescribe the pill, but I just didn't know what else to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really exciting. That's like, I feel like that's a great impact to be having, not just on like people, individuals, but doctors, because obviously they see a lot of different patients and stuff. So then why would you say is the biggest reason for someone to consider getting off the pill? Yeah, I'd say the the one that I always go to is mood. Mm -hmm. The pill can cause anxiety and depression. We know that now from some pretty, pretty big research studies. We've actually known that all along from the earliest studies on the pill, but it's kind of somehow been has to keep being rediscovered, which is kind of concerning. So, of course, not everyone who takes the pill gets mood problems, but I would say a lot of women do. And the way, of course, the way as women, the way our brains work or the way we think is if we if something's going wrong, you know, if our mood's not right, we just blame ourselves for it. You know, we might not Especially if a doctor has said, has just point blank said to you, oh, it's not the pill. You're going to have to believe that and think, oh, it's just me. You know, Mm -hmm. I hear so many stories of someone who said, okay, I started the pill at 14 for skin. Then a year later, I was on an antidepressant. And I'm thinking, what? Wait, wait a minute. You know, was that connected? And but of course, in at the time, they're just thinking, okay, it's a teenager. You know, it's normal. Teenagers get mood problems. And it's just this progression. And then you end up, then you're on the pill and an antidepressant for 10 years before anyone finally connects the dots and says, well, maybe, maybe it's those contraceptive drugs affecting mm-hmm. your mood all along. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never considered that. I have a lot of friends that are considering getting off the pill for a slew of different reasons, but are a little bit worried about the repercussions. Do you have any good tips for someone that would be coming off the pill, how to handle that? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing to think about is if if you've been on a pill that contains the drug drospirenone, which would be like Yasmin, Yaz, any of those really mm-hmm. acne suppressing pills, even if you didn't take it for that reason originally, that particular drug has a acne withdrawal syndrome. So skin mm-hmm. can really flare up quite badly, usually about three to six months after stopping it. Right. It doesn't happen with all the pills, but only with that kind of particular type, a couple types. So I have a blog post called How to Prevent and Treat Post-Pill Acne. So that might be a place to start. It it explains why it happens. So that's Mm -hmm. one. uh, You can put that in the show notes if you want. That's a quite a popular blog post. It's a very handy one. Um, Mm -hmm. That's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider is just what we talked about before. Understand that those, if you've been on the pill for 10 years, you haven't had periods for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because those were not periods. So you don't actually know what your periods are like. I mean, you don't know if they're going to come. That would be one thing that can happen is periods don't come. 
because maybe they were irregular before and that problem hasn't gone away. Or, you know, the periods might be bad in some way. They might be painful or they might be PMS, in which Mm -hmm. case it's about kind of knowing that we're going back to that, back to the drawing board, really, and thinking what were the periods like and kind of planning preemptively, almost putting in place some treatments for what symptoms might reappear. At the same time, though, at the same time, you know, if someone maybe said, oh, I had really bad period pain 10 years ago before I started the pill. But in the meantime, you know, your diet's really improved. You're eating healthy. You're off dairy, for example, which is one of the big things for period pain or maybe Mm -hmm. just better nourished in general. Then some women are surprised. It's like, oh, I don't have those symptoms that I used to have because I'm healthier now. Right. That's a good point. That's a really good point could take into consideration like the pill is kind of like a band-aid almost the issues that you had before given your lifestyle and eating habits are still the same could possibly still come up but it's better to figure out what is causing those problems yeah. and how to fix them rather than just being like oh here's the pill there we go it's, it's it's a perfect it's very much like a band-aid I think I use that word in my book the other analogy mm-hmm. might be if you've got something wrong with your car and the engine light comes on what the pill does is like take a piece of black tape and put it over the on the dashboard, like cover up the light. That's basically right. what you've done. The problem, the problem is still happening. That's a great analogy. Yeah. But you never went to the mechanic. You just like, I'm not going to look at that for a while. Yeah. So what would you say are some good natural birth control methods? Yeah. So I'll just. I mean, I know there's I know there's no magic magic naturopathic pill or anything oh, out no. there, but no, that would be. <laughs> what nice. would you say is like a good natural method? Yeah, I have a. I'm gonna refer to another blog post because they're just handy yeah. ways to expand on I what I'm talking about. I will list them all in the show notes. Yeah, yep. the blog post is. Um, I think it's called the top the top five or the best the five, oh yes the five um best natural birth control mm-hmm. um something like that and so I list. Fertility awareness method, um, which is knowing when you're fertile, which we're only as women were. okay. so men are fertile every day as women were fertile six days per month. And it's not rocket science to figure out when those days are. Actually, it's quite doable, either with training in something called fertility awareness method or with a device called Daisy, which is a Mm -hmm. little computer device, which is. I've definitely heard of that one. I've actually considered considered it. Yeah, I've heard great things from some of my friends do it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. So I listen up there. And then uh, condoms, which are, mm-hmm. are are good, especially if you get a good quality condom. There's a couple right. you know, better ones on the market that are more comfortable, that are not going to break, that mm-hmm. fit right, all of that. I mean, I, I think I, I, one thing I've perceived, at least with my patients, younger patients, is there seems to be this kind of idea that condoms don't work for birth control. And I don't know where that's coming from because they do. So, you know. They're, they're good. Yeah. And then there's the copper IUD, which mm-hmm. is not hormonal. The hormonal IUD is hormonal, but it's a little bit different in that it doesn't completely shut down hormones. It doesn't induce a chemical menopause the way other types of hormonal birth control do. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I talk about that in the blog post. And then mm-hmm. there's a new diaphragm, which is a, a female barrier method. There's a cervical cap, which is similar to a diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And there's something coming from men, oh. which is I'm, which I always mention because I just keep hoping it's going to come to market. It's called Basal Gel. It's a one-time injection, kind of like a reversible um, vasectomy. So it it's not hormonal or anything like that. It's just a it anatomically blocks sperm, prevents sperm from entering the semen. 
So they still have semen flow, but they don't have sperm. And I actually think if that could come to market, that would be a game changer. Because How long then does that last? And for forever, like until you have a second injection. Oh. So the doctor does it. Interesting. Right? Doctor, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can look uh -huh. at it later. It's done wow. in the doctor's office. And it yeah, would be. Of course, yeah. But for couples, I mean, yeah, why not have the men do it, especially if it's something that causes no side effects? And yeah. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, that's also a really great point is that it's always been the woman's burden to yes. be taking the pill, be taking the birth control and all that. I mean, granted, we're the ones that birth the baby and hold everything, but at the same time, it shouldn't be all on us. Absolutely um, not. It yeah. takes two to make a baby. So, yeah. 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 Given So given that you're off birth control, and this is actually something I struggle with, and I'm a little bit confused about, is PMS normal? No. Okay. <laughs> so PMS is common. Uh -huh. So it doesn't mean doesn't mean you're an abnormal person if you do right. get it. I mean that's that's the main message. It's common. I mean, I've, yeah. That's common, of course. And okay. it, it it's um of course, you know, I've through my life I've had a bit of PMS too. So, you know, some of them get it quite badly, I realize that. But what I'll say is in my book I make the point that the period is like our monthly report card. Um P meaning that it kind of tells a story about what's going on with our health, which is quite handy because then we can say, okay, I need something, I need to change something with my health. I would argue PMS is like that, but a little bit more fine-tuned. So for example, if I've noticed if I had a particularly stressful month or a bit jet lagged or something, mm -hmm. PMS will be worse that month. It's just kind of telling the story of what's happened that month, not just, not just what's happening in that week of PMS, but kind of telling yeah. the story of the whole month. So that's why all the treatments I recommend for PMS are to be done really through the whole month to mm -hmm. kind of reduce a couple strategies, reduce inflammation, mm. um, improve what's called neurotransmitter balance. Just keep your something called GABA, sort of a calming neurotransmitter, keep those levels up. Right. So there's different simple ways you can do it. I won't be you know coy about it. I'll just say straight out one of the things that works best for PMS is a combination of magnesium and vitamin B6. For many women, that's really all you need. And then they're like, oh, it's, I feel fine now. You know, my period just arrives without any irritability or anything like that. So right. it's usually pretty easy to treat. To be fair, I know there are probably some of your listeners thinking, well, my, you know, that theirs is very severe, which is, yes, can happen also. So there's another condition called PMDD, which is quite a bit more serious, which is be a topic mm -hmm. for another podcast maybe. But yeah, in yeah. general, for most of us, PMS is pretty easy to treat. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I've definitely noticed that like some months my my period will be a little bit more painful. Some months it'll just like come and I'll be like, oh, there it is. So maybe it's just the different changes in my diet, whether or not I'm stressed. And then actually like I'm, I'll, I will admit I am the worst at remembering to take supplements. And magnesium is one of the ones that when I do remember, it's like my go-to one because it also just helps me with all, sleep and all this different yeah. stuff um so that's good to know that magnesium b6 it's yeah yeah and then yeah. throughout the month it's like you're building it up yeah that makes sense it's, it's, you should you should watch you should pay attention next time you have kind of a, a worse period or a bad period think just make a note, mental note was that a month you forgot to take your magnesium because yeah oh be. good point yeah. i actually use an app i think it's called like my flow it's definitely not like a birth control it just kind of helps me remember when my period's supposed to come yeah and like every day i can kind of chart in there like different things i do so i could just you know be like oh taking magnesium yeah. you know like remote like chart if any uh, pms symptoms come up it's a great app i, I really recommend it to everyone right cool so then 
I personally don't struggle with this. Again, I've had some people come come to me and try to talk to me about it. What happens when you're not getting your period after you come off birth control? How, how does that work? What is that? Okay. There's a few things going on. So first of all, think about the fact that the pill is a drug that suppresses ovulation and shuts down hormones completely. Mm-hmm. So especially if you started taking it at a really young age, like at 13 or 14 or something, the body has not really had a chance. It doesn't actually know how to do it, like how to ovulate and cycle. You know, that can take, right. that takes quite a bit of hormonal coordination, you know, your pituitary talking, your brain talking to your ovaries. So it's pretty normal to me that, you know, it can take quite a few months just for that to kick in and start happening. Mm -hmm. After stopping an ovulation suppressing drug, your body has to take some time to be able to ovulate. Right. Ovulation, which is the release of the egg from the ovaries, is not just for making a baby. It's actually the the main event of the menstrual cycle. So without Mm -hmm. ovulation, there's really no period not a real period anyway but Hmm. if if let's say you know so that might take a few months or six months even to kind of get a period which might be normal or there might be something going on so the two main reasons that young women don't get periods because there's more than two but let's say the two main ones Mm -hmm. which the doctor can hopefully pick up with blood tests is either number one under eating or under eating carbohydrate is a pretty common reason to just not get a period. The body decides it's not going to okay. ovulate because it's starving, basically, even mm-hmm. if you don't feel like you're starving. And then right. the second reason is something called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, what you've probably mm-hmm. heard about. So that's right. pretty common. Now, the tricky thing is, it's worth mentioning here, a lot of women who have, who are under, who have, who are not getting periods because they're under eating Mm-hmm. might be mistakenly told they have PCOS. And that's happening for a few different reasons, which I go into in a, I think I'll mention another blog post called, I have a blog post called, do you have PCOS or hypothalamic amenorrhea or both? Hypothalamic amenorrhea is the state of not getting a period because of not enough food or not enough carbohydrate. So okay. if any of your listeners are facing that, you know, they have a look at that blog post, have a look at my book, speak to the doctor about some blood tests, and hopefully be able to get out of the doctor's office without the doctor just saying, oh, here, go back on the pill, because that's yeah. their, that tends to be their go-to, right. as we've said. But still, you can get the blood test, say to the doctor, okay, do I, do I have PCOS, do I have thyroid, or any of the other multiple things that can affect periods? So right. it's a bit of detective work. Yeah. So then yeah. do you have good, good tips for like being your own advocate in the doctor's office? Because yeah. I know for women, it can be so intimidating and so overwhelming if you're not super prepared and know what you're going to say and know what you want, because doctors will just be like, in, out, quick, let's go. I know. Do you have any good tips for like being your own advocate? Yeah, I have this a section in chapter 11 of period repair manual called how to talk to your doctor. And I actually provide a list of questions like for every section. So there's definitely okay. a section on not getting a period. And then mm. so there's questions like, did you do to the doctor, did you do this blood test? You know, is yeah. it possible I have PCS or PCOS? And if I do have PCOS, how is it diagnosed? And it kind of goes mm-hmm. through some questions that relate to some of the things that I've described. Good. Honestly, yeah. I would recommend your book. I would recommend your book to just even someone that has like a pretty good period. It's just very eye opening. You go into very good history of how yeah. birth control came about. Um, you explain hormones well. I feel like hormon- yeah. hormones are kind of this elusive, almost intimidating, scary type of topic nowadays because it's like, well, they have so much control over our bodies, but how do you like control them? What are they? So I feel like 
your the period repair manual is an amazing book everyone should go read it or listen to it on audible that's what i did (laughs) um there's a lot of great information um and i can link that in the show notes along with the different blog posts that you talked about so then i just have a few more questions and these are questions that i ask everyone that comes on my podcast okay Uh, the first one being if you were to give yourself your younger self advice and it doesn't even have to be health advice it could be life advice or it could be health advice um what would that be i would say to myself do not worry so much about what other people think it's love that it's so exhausting i mean i still do i mean we all do that because we're human we all we want to please people we don't want anyone to kind of not like us or so but it unfortunately does i think for many of us use up a lot of energy kind of spinning Mm -hmm. our wheels worrying about that too much and so yeah and it was there a moment in your life where you were just like wow, why am I doing, like, was there a yeah, kind of a I think point? multiple moments, but probably the big moment for me was releasing my book four years ago, because anytime you do a big project, you put it out yeah. to the world, you think, oh, no, some people might not like this. How is that going to feel if some people don't like right. it? And then I just realized, you know, wow, it's going to be okay. Like, I, you know, one of the first kind of not glowing reviews I got on Amazon, I thought, and then the next morning I thought, oh, the sun still came up. Actually, the world <laughs> is still okay. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Just, just as an example, and I saw this funny little thing on social media. I'm going to share it one day. It's a little, it's a pin actually, but it could be a badge or like a little Boy Scout, about Boy Scout badge that says, didn't please everyone. And I thought, oh, I, I love that. <laughs> I lo- oh, okay. So you mean like a little like badge on his vest thing? A little oh, badge of that. honor. It's like, my, yeah. I earned that. I didn't please everyone. There so. you go. That's yeah. good. And then, <laughs> so the next one is what do you hustle for? Well, I'm pretty passionate about women's health. Right. Like, I'm really passionate about it. Obviously, I, just talking to you, to get this message out there, you know, just even just something you said just now about how women are given this idea that our hormones are really complicated and mysterious. Mm-hmm. That's something, that's one of my key messages as well. It's like, nope, we're not that complicated. You know, we're the yeah. normal standard version of a human body. This is how a human body works mm-hmm. with female hormones, with regular ovulation, with cycles, about kind of reclaiming that helping women right. being part of the revolution to reclaim all of that yeah. and make women feel normal in their bodies mm-hmm. make women feel like they can understand their bodies and yeah <laughs> I love that I love that and, it, and you're doing an amazing job all everything you post on social media and your book and everything like you're doing a very good job you thank helped you. me a lot oh <laughs> thank, thank you. you yeah yeah so then can you just let everyone know how they can find you and follow you online? Yeah, I'm easy to find. All of my social media handles are at Lara Bryden. So that's mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Those are my main ones. And okay. my my blog is larabryden.com. And my book is Period Repair Manual. Yeah, and that's on Amazon. You guys can find that on there. That's the only place I buy books. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, everyone buys books on Amazon. It's on um, iTunes and some bookshops and, yeah, Barnes & Noble, yeah. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview and taking the time, and especially since the huge time difference. It's already tomorrow for you since you're in New Zealand. For yeah. us, it's, like, Wednesday. For you, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for doing yeah. this interview. I know a lot of people are just going to – love the advice and feel very hopefully empowered and if not read the book then you will feel very empowered (laughs) thanks so much for having me christy it was great to talk with you coming on thank you
right, guys. Thank you for listening this week. I am so excited that you were here. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to, you can follow me on Instagram at wanderwithkirsty, W-A-N-D-E-R, with K-I-R-S-T-I-E. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm kind of active on it. And that's just Wellness Hustle, at Wellness Hustle. And if you really fucking love me, I would so much appreciate it if you rated me on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Yeah, be awesome. Seriously, guys, one more time. Thank you so much for listening. I do this for you guys, and it means the world to me that you listen to these podcasts. I can't wait for next week. Until then, remember, keep hustling for yourself because you deserve it.